Hey friends, Ashton here. Welcome back to another episode of Good, True, and Beautiful. We are in our True Self series, and uh, thank you for joining us again. Um, Dear Friend is back. You know, we had him on not long ago to discuss his latest book in the world, True Companions, um, but Dr. Kelly Flanagan, dear friend of ours, confidant, and um, beautiful soul is joining us again. And when I started making my list of the who's who that I wanted to come on and have discussions around what is this true self? How do we live from it? How do we exist with it? How do we, uh, you know, learn it? Um, he was one of the first people that came to mind and so reached out to him and he said, yeah, I'll come on again. Um, so with that being said, the familiar voice, Kelly Flanagan, welcome back. <laughs> Ashton, thank you for having me, man. I'm looking forward to this conversation. I've been looking forward to it since you mentioned it. Yeah, man. So I'm, you know, digging back into true self and false self. I, I found myself kind of, thumb, you know, going through my notes and uh, coming across uh, Merton, getting back into Immortal Diamond of Richard Rohr, getting back into your book, uh, lovable. Um, I, I, you know, it's, it's hard to set the tone on something so wonderfully mysterious, right? It's, it's hard to say, Hey, where are we going here? But I do think that, um, maybe for some of our listeners that are both familiar with this language and not so familiar with it, maybe it'd just be good to kind of hear from you on like, when did you discover, um, this language of, true self and false self. Uh, and then we can kind of just see where that rocket ship takes us. How's that sound? Sure. Yeah, that sounds good. I don't, I don't know if I've ever really reflected on that actually. So I'm just going to think out loud. Let's go. Perfect. (laughs) Um, All right. Gosh. Um, so I think for me, I trace it back to, um, goodness, it would be the beginning of 2008. Uh, my new year's resolution going into 2008, was that I was going to quit reading books to try to make myself better and actually just start practicing mindfulness and meditation instead. Um, There was this this sort of sense that I was trying to achieve something through knowledge acquisition that I wasn't (laughs) finding ever. And, uh, and that, that spring that, you know, that beginning of that year into the spring, I remember by probably April or May, I, I had been on the bike at the gym and, and instead of reading, I was just meditating and, um, and I was starting to learn about what shame is, mm-hmm. you know, this message that we're not good enough for love and belonging the way that we came into the world. And, um, and I, I remember standing in that came home from the work, working out that day. And I stood in the kitchen with my wife and I said, you know, I think my whole life, um, if 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 you if you'd given me an opportunity to stand in front of God and imagine what God would say to me back, um, my guess would have been Kelly, you can do better. <laughs> uh, I'm disappointed in you. You can do better. And I remember saying to my wife, telling her that, and then saying, I think my whole life, what I thought was the voice of God within me was the voice of shame. Wow. I don't think I've ever actually heard the voice of God within me. And so, yeah, so I, so that's a bit of a shocker <laughs> in, a, in, in a good and disorienting sort of way. And I, what age so was I, this for you? 2008. Oh yeah. 2008, I've been 32. 32. Okay. Um, you know, I had sort of, I was at that where great wife, two, two beautiful kids, a successful therapy career, doctor, psychologist, you know, I mean, had it sort of the had boxes it all. were checked. Yeah. And I'd been depressed for like two or three years. 
um, because I didn't know there were no more boxes that I really felt like uh, I needed to check. Yeah, and that's yeah. how I was keeping, you know, keeping the despair at bay. And, uh, and so, yeah, I'd been depressed off and on for a couple of years, sort of doing some damage to my marriage, but, you know, telling my wife, she's the one who needed to fix this feeling in me and all that stuff. And, um, and so, so yeah, so all of a sudden now I'm starting to realize that there's more going on within me. Um, number one, I've, I've gotten a lot of it wrong. Number two, I, 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 my faith tells me that there's a, the voice of the divine is, is within me and mm-hmm. I haven't I've been listening for it. I haven't even known what to listen for. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I was, had just gotten into at that point, uh, really my my what I consider the the spiritual mentor of my spiritual conversion, which was Henry Nowen. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I was reading a little book of his in June of that year on Father's Day weekend uh, called Here and Now, Life in the Spirit. And uh, I'd been practicing this just this consistently for months, trying to listen for the voice of God within me. And um, and I tell a little bit of the story in my books, Lovable and True Companions. But you know, we were on a on a Marine base and we were at Quantico, um, for my wife's, uh, sister's wedding. And, uh, I woke up on a father's day morning and I was very upset at her because she'd spent the entire previous day <laughs> being a great bridesmaid, which meant she wasn't giving much to our marriage, which should have been fine. But for me, I was, she was supposed to make me feel good enough and she wasn't giving me enough attention. And, um, and I just sat there and decided to listen, um, instead of, instead of getting caught up in that voice and the anger and everything that goes with it, just to listen. And for a different voice within mm-hmm. me. And I pinpoint that morning as the first time I heard what I call the voice of grace within me, um, and whispering essentially what, what was said to Jesus as the dove descended, you know, you are my, you are my son, my beloved and whom I'm well pleased. And I'm especially fond of you. I always have been. Um, and, and th- th- that was my first experience of of exiting something I didn't know existed, which is my false self mm, mm-hmm, <laughs> and mm-hmm. actually, or maybe not exiting, but like sort of descending out of and deeper into the core of me where my true self resides and, um, and inhabiting my true self and seeing the world through the lens of my true self rather than my false self is the first time in my life that I could remember doing that. And it changed everything. Um, it changed everything dramatically for at least for, I, I, I sort of existed in that state for about three months, um, and then my my false self <laughs> uh, reasserted <laughs> itself with a vengeance, um, and uh, and I sort of discovered that that life is about this dance between your true self and your false self, yeah. and uh, and you're, you're dancing forever, and um, and so now I just try to dance well, and uh, yeah. so that's that's sort of my. That's sort. Of, that's sort of my. Yeah, I call, I call it my spiritual conversion. I love it. You know, in, interesting that you use the word dance in in my last interview with Sean Askinosi. I, I kept saying, "Man, I'm I'm frustrated with the words I keep using mm-hmm. with trying to describe this true self." Because the the thing is, the beauty of it, the essence of it is, it is indescribable. Like right. to 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 hold it, to grasp it. Uh, is maybe a Western mind to attempt mm-hmm. to hold it, to control it. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. And we are talking something oceanic, mm. so spacious, um, something that is uh, uh, infinitely opened versus yes. uh, chaotically closed, as I would call my <laughs> false, my like false that. separate self. Um, yeah. 
But then, even hearing you say that, and I feel like this is becoming the thread of these interviews, is that darkness tends to precede the aha of, mm. oh my gosh, um, yeah. I had this thing so wrong. Uh, yeah. Even within trusted faith communities that we've yes. been in, I think that's this. For me, it seems like the last decade that I keep hearing, and in, in, as I interview people, is that we all kind of go, "Man, time out a second here." Um, it's not. It's not that you're bad and you need to become good, right? It, right. It, it, it's. It's that there's actually this deeply wonderful, beautiful, mysterious, unoffendable. Um, seat of the soul, this true self that we can all, it's always been there, right? It's, yes. it's like, it's like that for me, I got a little frustrated because I was like, geez, this has always been there. Why didn't someone tell me this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm kidding, right? <laughs> oh yeah. I, I suppose we have to be careful about the elders who build our communities. Yes. How, what they've, what they've learned on their own journey. But, you know, I think we're all learning as we go and, um, we have encountered different elders along the way. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's where I felt like reading Henry now and was like encountering an elder that I had just never seen, heard or seen the likes of before. And it, it made a huge difference in my life. Um, well, if you're ready, but, you know, when it hits you right between the eyes of I am what I do, I am right. what I have, I am what others think or say about me. That's right. If the soul is ready for that, saddle up because you're in for revolution. Um, that's right. And, yeah. uh, I probably just wasn't ready for it, to be honest. Mm, um, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. yeah, just own that. I wasn't ready for it. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Go ahead. What were you saying beforehand? Uh, well, I, was, I love the chaotically closed, you mm. know, and it, it's such a good description of the of the false self. Um, and, you know, I think, yeah, you come to that point in your life where you, you sort of come to the end of your false self. It, it's it's all chaos. It's all closed. It's not delivering anything that it was supposed to, and you just you're faced with that decision of trying to to discover something else within you um, and about your life, or just sort of doubling down on more of the same. You know, and by the time yeah. I was 32, I doubled down a lot, mm. um, and I think that's the big question: is do you you know, it, it, what at what opportunities to double down do you finally go? Like, no more. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm mm-hmm. going to start discovering something different instead. Yeah. And that just happened for me at 32. I, was, I feel, I think Merton's the one who said, you can't make it happen in a right. sense. You have to just receive it. Yeah. 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 It's, it's not, it's, we do not concoct this. Mm-hmm. No. Um, and maybe it's great love or great suffering that's the doorway. Yeah. Um, I think that's right. In, in your, you know, I, I feel like you walk this road with hundreds, if not thousands, of people in your in your career. Um, I, is there a common thread of periods of suffering, darkness, use whatever language that really? I don't. I, I hate to use the word ratio. Give me the ratio. It's three out of four people that you think <laughs> have found the language of true self. Um, but like, do you, do you see this as a common thread as to people that are, uh, you feel like are living wholesome, connected, aligned lives from the place of the true self kind of, or on the other side of something that was not so fun, dark night of the soul, et cetera. I, I think so. I, I think, I think when the false self is delivering for you there, it, it would never occur to you. 
to search for more. Yes. It feels like it's working. Yeah. So yeah, it has to quit working for you. Um, or another way of saying is, is it has to work so well um, and then still not deliver. So like <laughs> Peter Rollins, I've thought of several times already during this conversation, he wrote a great <laughs> book, how, how not to speak of God. Um, getting at that idea that it's just too mysterious to yeah. really package up. But he tells a great anecdote somewhere about um, the, the, the coyote who's chasing the roadrunner in those old cartoons. Yeah. And uh, sure, surely, surely the, the issue must be that the road, that the, the coyote is sabotaging his own equipment because the Acme company wouldn't stay in, in business <laughs> if it was, if it was making such shoddy equipment. And he says, and the reason the coyote is sabotaging his own equipment, he doesn't really want to catch the roadrunner because mm-hmm. he knows that the only thing worse than, than getting what you want or rather not getting what you want is getting it and having it not do the trick. Interesting. You know, like what do you do the day after you catch the road runner for crying yeah. out loud, go yeah. catch more runners. Like and all of a sudden you're like, Oh, this is it. This is the whole thing. And yeah. so I think the false self can deliver us into great success. And we go, Oh, mm-hmm. this is it. Mm-hmm. I've arrived. I've arrived and where I've arrived didn't deliver on what I expected. And and that's its own sort of dark night of the soul and suffering. And it, and again, it's, it's the, it's the point at which you decide double down or discover something different. Yeah. Yeah. Have you seen Soul, the movie? Oh, yes. <laughs> like that, 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 remi- that reminds me of when he's like, so uh, now do we? Now what do we do? After yes. they played the show and she's like, well, you do it again tomorrow. Yeah, come back tomorrow night and do it again. He's like, <laughs> oh, yeah, oh, that's, that, I, I didn't trust that movie until that moment. Really? Uh, yeah, like I, I could tell it, it was something that I, I was wanting to trust, but I'm like, what they do, Hmm. With him, with him arriving at the moment he's always cherished and, hmm. and, stro- and strived for, what they do at that moment is going to determine the rest of the movie, and uh, and they nailed it, and uh, and it just made me want to go back and watch the whole thing all over again, trusting it this time around. <laughs> yeah, wow, so well, so yeah, I mean it it. Uh, I remember when it was over, I was like, Bryn, that's the joke. Like, yeah, like that's that's there it is, that's it. Yeah, that's right. Um, interesting. So. Um, I think we're doing a good job of painting this false self. Um, the, can I, go ahead. Can I, can I say one thing about it? Cause Please. I think, um, I think like if, if folks are listening in and they're hearing false self for the first time, we're, we're probably doing right now, um, what I did at first, which is once you realize the false self and are aware of it, you, you, you instantly think it's bad and it needs to be. Yeah. You know, it needs to be sort of destroyed or, yes. or whatever, you know, and, um, and I think it's, I think it's really important for people to hear that I don't even think of the false self as bad. Yep. I just think, I think of it as not as real. Um, and as actually it's, it, it beca- has become for me like a very useful tool for reorienting me to my true self. Like if I feel like I don't, if I've lost connection to true self, I just need to sort of observe my false self mm. <laughs> to begin to, to get a sense of, Oh, well, what is it protecting me against? And what is my, how does my true self feel vulnerable in this moment that it needs protection? And if, if, uh, if the truth of it isn't that it's vulnerable, right. But that it just, it's just open. Like what would I do now? So anyways, I just feel like the false self has become an orienting. Um, and when it shows up, it's just like, okay, this is information. Let's, Let's observe it and figure out what's going on. Yep, well said. And and there's, I I do think this is where 
uh, words r- are are so key in trying mm-hmm. to um, really gain awareness, consciousness of what we're talking about here. Um, yes. When you speak of false self, it it you, I think we think in terms of like school, like that's the wrong answer, right? Right. Um, right. Roar calls it, "Hey, your false self is it? It's it's just not the whole enchilada." what he calls yes. when he says that i love um, that the, el- the whole enchilada <laughs> the illusory self the self in time and space the self that's on a business card or a bio um the small self um, yes doesn't mean it's insignificant it does not mean that it doesn't mean that's that right. it can't be used for good in the world that's right um but it's uh it doesn't have the final say that's um, right and i think that there comes a point in time where that's some of the most liberating news that one can hear. Mm-hmm. Um, when you can kind of step back and go, oh, I don't necessarily need to be buying all my own PR anymore. Um, yeah. Gosh, yes. I I happen to help people buy and sell real estate. That's, mm. I just happen to. Like that... That will not be something that anyone Googles in 150 years if Google <laughs> is still around. Um, uh, you, you know, but I, I think it really gives you that. I don't think we know what to do with something that's finite, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we defend right. it. We polish it. We promote it. Mm-hmm. But the true self's the introduction or the invitation to experience that in you, which is infinite. So good. Um, so good. The words that, so in, in true companions, the words that I actually end up trading out for true and false self, because I, I think you're right. Like, I think those words have connotations. One's good, one's bad, yeah, you know, yeah. um, one's accurate, one's wrong. Um, so the words that I trade out for in true companions is the connective self and the protective self. Ah, uh, yes. Right. And the yeah. connective self, the true self is, is, it doesn't even need to work to be connected it is by its very nature connected to all things and everyone um but the false self is the self we built to protect ourselves from getting hurt and shamed and rejected and abandoned and uh and so it serves a specific function which is protection um but and and you know and to be grateful that sometimes it did i mean you know there were times when we didn't understand all this early in our lives where we needed to protect ourselves Mm -hmm. from being hurt so we can even be grateful that it exists, um, but we have to recognize that at some point we have a choice about whether to keep protecting or return to the truth of our connection. Hmm. And that's, that's the decision. And so then let me just connect some dots here. Mm-hmm. If one is connected, aligned, whole, um, yep. is the aha on the other side of that there's nothing to protect? That's right. Yeah. 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 That's, um, that would be the quintessential experience. Like when I described those three months after that Quantico morning was that there was, yeah, there's nothing to protect. It's all good. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's Mm -hmm. a, you know, and there's part of me that wishes I could just exist in the fullness and, and unspeakableness of that in a way forever. Um, (laughs) but I, instead I think of it, I think of that experience, as my North star, like that's the truth of things that orients me. It's the direction I want to be heading at all times. And, and every once in a while you end up there uh, for time and it's lovely. And, and the the rest of the time you're dancing with that protective self again, trying Mm -hmm. to release your protections and, and settle into the truth. You don't, you don't need to be protected. 
how much, um, talk to me about kind of bodily awareness in this. I, I feel like, mm-hmm. I feel like the false separate illusory self is mm-hmm. very heady. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like the true self, the connected mm-hmm. self, the whole self, the integrated self, um, is very heart driven. Yes. Um, talk to me about, I guess maybe flagging, like ha- how how we can kind of, you know, some red flags of like, hey, you're really caught up in the mind on this, mm-hmm. versus those places, you know, that we all know uh, in our lives yep. where we are um, spacious, open, we're okay with mystery, uh, wonder and yep. awe, have more say than control and Excel spreadsheets. Mm-hmm. Um, talk to me about these different worlds. That's good. That's good. I would say, like, I, I tend to think of it as my false self is sort of located in my head, in my mind. Um, it, I associate it more with thoughts, um, and my my true self more in my center, core, heart. Associated more with feelings. But what's interesting is, um, and this is actually my practice for this year. Um, a lot of times, like my um, my my sort of New Year's resolution or goal has something to do with being present in a particular mm-hmm. way to my life for the year. And, um, and this year I set my goal to be, um, to become aware of any moment in which my heart is closing and just to open it back up to that moment. Beautiful. Uh, and this actually stems from, I, I was co-leading a, a marriage retreat a couple of summers ago and my co-facilitator ran the couples through an exercise where they're facing each other. And she, she said, okay, uh, you know, on the count of three, I'm going to tell you something. I just want you to do it immediately without thinking. She said, one, two, three, close your hearts to each other right now. Don't let the other person in, protect yourself, hide from them, close your hearts, right? And she let them exist that way for like 30 seconds. Then she says, okay, now on the count of three, open your hearts. One, two, three, open your hearts to each other. Let them back in. Be be available to them. Be curious, and and then we surveyed the couples afterwards, and they all described physical sensations associated with closing their heart and opening oh, their heart. Yeah. You know, and and the the closing was tension, tightness, stress, anxiety, and the opening was warmth, um, kind of a sense of greater capacity and spaciousness mm-hmm. inside. Um, and so it's been an. I, I've decided to like make that my practice this year. Um, I just I noticed it happening. I was running a staff meeting, the practice that I own on Tuesday, and I felt it starting. And I just caught myself and said, "Okay, open your heart to this moment." I didn't. It wasn't a surprise. I knew I knew I might have a hard time with it, and <laughs> I knew I knew why. But mm-hmm. um, but just stay open hearted to this moment, and and to actually feel the physical sensation change within you, and all of a sudden um, have at least an opportunity to inhabit your true self in that moment. Um, that's uh, you asked about the physical, the bodily stuff, and I think that's a big part of it for me right now. Man, that's beautiful. Don't you think that um, as you first kind of dip your toes into this language, even to flag one's false self one out of a hundred times is great victory? Oh my goodness, yes. <laughs> oh, one out of a hundred is a great, right? Yeah. I, Probably even now, I'd like to probably tell tell you my ratio is better than it is, but yeah, absolutely. And and it's and frankly, it's a little thrilling. Mm-hmm. I mean, if mm-hmm. if you're operating from a place of worthiness and recognizing that your false self isn't bad, it's just this part of you that you built to to stay safe. Mm-hmm. Then it's a, it's a thrill to catch it and act 
act on something different. I remember there was a morning that this was one of the first times it really happened for me. Um, I woke up in just a bad mood. The truth was, in hindsight, I had a big speaking event and I was anxious about it and feeling vulnerable. And so I woke up walking around judging everybody, right? Because wow. if, if I'm judging you, then I'm safe and better and above you. <laughs> uh, and my wife, who you know, is just, she's like the healthiest Enneagram eight I've ever met, doesn't take anything. And, but it doesn't, she goes, why are you being such a jerk this morning? <laughs> and, and I, and instead of continuing to do, you know, up in the ante with my false and my protective self and saying, yeah. Hey, you were a jerk last night, or, you know, you're not, you haven't been so stellar this week. I just caught myself wanting to do that and instead said, I mm. don't know. I'm sorry. Mm. And all of a sudden, you know, you're connected again. Yeah. And, uh, and, and so to me, it's just, yeah, one, one out of a hundred of those moments, if you can catch them, they're thrilling and it makes you want to catch it more often. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think, you know, Sean and I, uh, in the last interview had just the, the, once again, the, uh, obnoxiously simple and yet terribly difficult, uh, uh, world to kind of realize and understand is just like setting these North stars of the fruits of the spirit. Right. Mm, yes. And, and knowing that like my true self is loving, my true mm. self is patient. My true self is kind. Now, if we want to talk false, you know, false self and, uh, mm. the, uh, separate self, you know, critiques, labels, judges, uh, um, categorizes, creates the ins and the outs, uh, it's not very inclusive. It's very exclusive. Um, yes. I, I think the more we get to learn these words about ourselves, the more that we can kind of have that understanding of, um, oh, there's the false self again. You know, that thing yep. needs to be in check. That's right. That's right. Yeah, that's. Um, I, I I love the I love his 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 point that it just is that you mm-hmm. don't have to you don't have to make it that. Um, we, we're sort of operating with two, like a divided selfhood, right? A false self and a true self, it feels like. And and so we feel like we're making patience happen, but it's not that we're, we're releasing the false self for a moment and entering into true self. And, and it just is patient. And that's a beautiful observation. What are some other practices that you've found useful over the years? Um, mm-hmm. either of, uh, uh, excavating, all of the yep. things that we bolt onto ourselves to to yeah. to find yourself at home in the true self, or um, just flagging, you know, those yeah. moments of and like. And here's the other deal: is ego. You can just might as well throw that word in there too. Yes, um, of uh, maybe overreach from <laughs> from the ego. <laughs> uh-huh. Yes, you know it's a great question. We've talked about this before, Ashton, with. Um, in lovable, the, it is hard to, it's hard to put tangible words to the true self, but it's, it's actually a lot easier to put them to the false self, even though the false self is less real, <laughs> it's easier yes. to describe it in tangible form. Um, cause it is attached to form, but anyway, so yeah, you know, this idea, this metaphor that I use in lovable is the castle, the, uh, the idea that the ego or the false yeah. self is a castle that we surround our true self with to protect ourselves. And we have three main components to that ego castle it's it's our 
castle walls, the things we do to sort of hide who we are, blend in, stay under the radar, um, just try not to get hurt anymore. And then the cannons, which are the more aggressive things we do to sort of hurt people before they can hurt us. And then the throne, which is alluded to it earlier, like that place in your life where you've, you've sort of arrived, you've had your success, um, you've settled into a role that has some respect or authority to it. And so you feel like, Hey, I I may not deep down feel good enough, but I've proven it. Um, and so one of the things that I recommend to almost everyone I speak to about this is in at the beginning and end of every day, you know, the last thing these days, the last thing we do at the end of the day. And the first thing we do at the beginning is we grab our phone and we start flicking through our apps, right? You know, and most of us have an actual, an app routine in the morning, but it's just to flick through your ego at the end of the day and the beginning of the day and just ask like, how did I, how did I hide behind my ego walls today? Mm -hmm. How did I fire my cannons? How did I sit up on a throne and feel like I was above everybody? Um, and just take a personal inventory of that. And then you'll be amazed. Like you might discover like on Monday when you do that inventory Monday night that you were mostly walls, you know, Mm -hmm. and hiding stuff and then for some reason you check in first thing tuesday morning and you're all cannons <laughs> you know and and so something happened while you're asleep that you can't explain but your ego's functioning in a if, in a different way that day and so you can be aware of that right at the beginning of the day and now you have a moment of choice you've created which is do i keep do i go out there and fire my cannons today or do i uh you know lower the drawbridge come out and, and show up authentically as my true self today well said um can we hop back to that form and formless conversation? Yeah, yeah. I, 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 that, that's been huge for me. I've kind of done a nosedive, very Eastern, you know? Yeah. Um, and I guess you would agree that form and ego are, are partners in crime. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I think makes the conversation of the true self so difficult, especially if you're not ready to hear this, is understanding the formless side of you. Mm, um, yes. The name before you had a name. That's right. Um, you know, yeah. our language we would use in this tradition, you know, you know, who you are hidden with Christ and God. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. And across all religions, you're going to hear a lot of different things that sound similar to this formless, you know, dialogue. Yes. Um, but I, I think that that is a, that was a huge aha for me um, because it, it made room to not know, right? Like with form, we can go, yes. that's, a, that's a dollar, that's a house, yep. that's a car, I can identify, that's a degree, that's like all of these things. Um, but the formless side of us so mis- is so mysterious, and yet um, that's what's eternal. That's what cannot die. That's the immortal diamond. Mm-hmm. Um, hold my hand on oh. form and formlessness in this conversation. Yeah. So, um, I, I I just started to picture as you were talking like a a two column list of um, of words, you know, and at the top of the left column is form and at the top of the right column is formless but underneath it is all these other groups of words that sort of so underneath form would be doing mm-hmm. underneath mm-hmm. formless would be being right Bingo. underneath form would be performing underneath um 
formless would be presencing. Yeah, essence. <laughs> you know? Essencing, yes, like essence, and and um, and so I think it's I think those two words, you know, and it's it's so easy to like when you. And I think that's why it's so attractive when you do something to point mm-hmm. to something tangible and like, look what I did, look what I accomplished, look what I earned. But to be, yeah. <laughs> like, it goes against everything that the, that most people think of as valuable. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And yet, and yet, you can't find peace in doing. You can only find it in being, in yeah. presence. Yeah. And, yeah. You know. And so, yeah, I, that that's where that's where my head goes with all of that. Can I read you something real quickly? Bring it on. So I'm just I'm pulling it up here. Um, do you remember a movie called The Legend of Bagger Vance? Yes. Yeah. That's uh, a um, uh, Pressfield. Yeah, it's right. Stephen Pressfield. Yep. yep. He wrote it was a novel originally, turned into a movie. Um, Will Smith plays this sort of mystical, like perhaps divine caddy, who's um, uh, you know kind of uh, caddying this. You about to go uh, one true swing on us? Yeah, so get this get this <laughs> get this line of dialogue from so this is Bagger to his the the player that he's caddying for who is falling apart like can't find his true swing right mm-hmm. in the middle of the round and he said and the and the guy's name is Randolph Juna so Bagger says to him tell me who you are Juna who in your deepest parts when all that is inauthentic has been stripped away are you your name Randolph Juna will that hit this shot for you are you your illustrious forebears Will they hit it? Are you your roles, Juna? Scion, soldier, southerner, husband, father, lover, slayer of the foe in battle, comforter of the friend at home? Are you your virtues, Juna, or your sins, your deeds, your feats? Are you your dreams or your nightmares? Tell me, Juna, can you hit the ball with any of these? Hmm. Uh, and I just, that just, yeah. that, mess, that messes me up because he's basically pointing out all of the the, the form like things yep. that we attach our identity to, yep. and he's saying there is something formless within you which will swing this golf club, which which will help you, you know, find your true swing. And uh, I think that's the that's I mean, when we when we find ourselves getting attached to form, uh, to to roles, to identities, to those sorts of things, we can know that it's just the false self doing what it's trying to do. Yeah. Yeah. The great, the great Reverend Jim Carrey, I think once said, uh, <laughs> you know, we aren't the film on the film stock. We're the light that shines through. Ooh, like that, like, oh. you know, and, and that's, love, that's love the, the invitation. Way. That's the yeah. invitation of the false self yes. is like in your doing is your essence coming through. Yes. And that is the recipe that I wish every 22-year-old kid that was getting a degree would get when he is 22 is like, play with form all you want. That's it. But bring the light. Let it, you know, let it come through. And that is the greatest snippet of true self that I think we could get at here. So good. I mean, that, that, um, that happens to, to connect to one of, I think, the more helpful pieces of advice in terms of the way that people react to it when I say it, which is this, like, cause, cause people say, where, how do I get to know my true, my true self? Like, I, I mean, how does that, that look? And, and my answer is as you're getting to know your false self, you're also getting to know your true self because your false self is the truest parts of you, uh, put to use for protection rather than connection. Mm-hmm. Um, cause yeah. there really is no false self. 
Um, right. It's right. Yeah. That's the irony here is it's attached to form, but it's the least form right. form thing. That's right. And and so like I think of my son Aiden, who wants to be a stand-up comic when he when he when he grows up, so to speak. He's seventeen, and um, when we were in sixth grade, when he was in sixth grade, and we moved to this new town we're in, which is in a totally different culture. It's a rural culture. He had no friends going into middle school. Um, he he just was in a very vulnerable position for a sixth grader. And one of the things he started to do in middle school um, was he started to use his sense of humor as uh, part of his ego, basically. Mm -hmm. Like he would use it to sort of roast kids, you know, to sort of elevate himself above them, or he used it to become the class clown and and sort of you know form that identity in school that had some respect to it, but you know not not real sincere respect. And and so what I saw there was Aiden taking his these beautiful qualities of his true self you know, his, his joy and a sense of humor and putting them to use for his own protection. Um, and so we can ask ourselves in any moment, okay, how am I protecting myself? Mm. And what's, what's the element of my true self that that's reflecting, which if I quit using it for protecting in this moment could become a source of great connection. Mm. That's great. That's well said. Um, yeah, I, I, I think, and maybe you just got to get that beat out of you in your twenties. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think there's any shortcuts. I, like I don't, uh, I, I don't know if there's any other way. Right. Um, you know, great love and great suffering um, right. seem to be the predecessors to a lot of this. Um, but man, that's the invitation, right? And every time I, I have another aha with the true self, there's this kind of like, man, I always had the. I always had the feeling that was true. Oh, yeah. You know, like like it's been yeah. there. It's not like it's a foreign thing that's all of a sudden, yeah. oh, that's news I haven't heard of. That's right. Um, that's right. There's always a little subtle feeling of like, you know, I always knew in my bones that that yep. was probably true. That's, you know, I think the, the, the biggest compliment I get from readers is when they say, that's something I've I've always known, but I could never put words yep, to it. Yep. And it's like, yeah, that mean, that means I probably wrote something true because yep. <laughs> you knew it at some deep, deep level. That's yep, right. Absolutely. Uh, that's that's it. And it, it's I, I love what you just said. It's never a surprise. Yeah, yeah. Oh. It's uncreated. Um, mm. You 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 do you will not fight to find this. Mm. You fall into it. You awaken to it. You discover it. Mm. Um, but it's. There's not a lot of doing, you know. No. Um, that uh, the the more you think you need to do, the I can assure you, you're pouring concrete on a path that's not the one you're wanting to go down. It's you know we're back at the same problem as you pointed out with your previous interviews that that words like so like I just thought yeah you know it's in there you just have to excavate it but that implies a lot of work again excavation <laughs> it's a lot of work yeah. and. And that's not, you know, when I think back to 2008 for me, it was doing less. Mm -hmm. It was settling in, attending, being present, um, and actually realizing that doing more was just more false self. So, yeah, it is really hard. It is really hard to put to words a process for this, that's for sure. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, Eckhart Tolle's helped me a ton here mm -hmm. on... Um, a lot of the excavation is with thoughts, right? Mm. So I think we right. hear excavation and we think dump trucks and moving boulders. Right. Right. Um, but for me, I, I've I've 
I've allowed excavation to be, I'm not that thought. I may, yes. I may have that thought, but that thought's not me. That's um, right. And, you know, I, I can't remember what he says, but like 98% of our thoughts are on repeat and not useful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you man, know, that's true. <laughs> so, something like that. But I think, uh, I, I think that at the end of the day, um, just allowing the illusions to fade away, to, well, let's use Parker J. Palmer's words, penetrate illusion and touch reality. That is what it means to excavate to our essence. Um, and uh, unfortunately, I got a lot of illusions. Um, right. And uh, right. and that's okay. We all do. Well, and um, they don't die easily, right? Like right. you have moments where you see through the illusion and then all of a sudden, six months later, you're, you're living it out again. And, yep. and you have to like release it over and over again. Yeah, yeah, well said. Um, so tell me how... How has your kind of evolution of understanding the true self evolved over the years? Or is it one eureka after another? Hmm. Yeah. Um, that's a great question. I I mean, I think I think part of the evolution is recognizing um, is recognizing the the dance between the two, um, and not between the true and false self, and not feeling like the dance has to ever be over. Um, I think it's it's and maybe that's that's the word I'd put to it is just that I releasing the idea of arriving, um, you know, and ironically, I think for a long time I thought I could arrive at the true self but that that was just another ego thing Mm -hmm. that was just another I want to have been you know fully and finally formed or something and uh and so just just embracing that it's it's ongoing um and every time you return home you know it's its own it's its own little joy so maybe leaving home every once in a while isn't the worst thing yeah yeah no doubt um Man, well, I, uh, I, you know, these are these dialogues that literally, um, I, I think, I think they will be eternal. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, um, I think that this is uh, in the realm of things that are infinitely knowable, and <laughs> that the the mystery, uh, that's the beauty of it. Um, yes, and it's a lot of commas and not a period. Mm, uh, and what, I like that. What we want in life is commas, and what we fear yeah. are periods. That's uh, right. And so the That's truest right. thing about you is you are so many commas. Yes. Um, and uh, that's good news. I think that's really good news. <laughs> that's really good news. And I just, I, I think I, I rejoice to, um, I was, my, my wife was watching something uh, for her school board conference and the keynote i just overheard a little bit but he was he was basically saying we need to teach our young people that we will never they will never see a day in which justice is done but they're they are one they are part of a long never-ending story Hmm. that is moving towards justice and they they need to be able to appreciate playing and so like i'm having that feeling right now that like this is one little conversation in one little corner of the interwebs you know but it's part of this and it's a conversation that's getting louder, I think, yeah. and in a good way. Yeah. And and so we're like, 
we're participating in this big conversation and just participating in it and talking about it, I, I feel more connected to true self than yeah. before this conversation started today. So let's keep talking. And I just, I'm, I'm grateful for you um, for being someone who's out there uh, wanting to have these conversations and, uh, and spread the, spread the conversation. So thank you for you and for being you. Well, thank you, brother. Thank you for showing us the way and uh, handing off wisdom um, like you do. So um, I'm super grateful for you coming on and chatting with us today. And uh, this is a comma. This isn't a period. There you'll, you go. You'll, you'll be back. You'll be back. <laughs> we'll, we'll do this again. And uh, who knows, maybe every spring we'll just dust off the true self dialogues and, and, and get them back in order again. You should like, uh, you, you could, uh, you could, and we could, I could come back. We could dissect this interview and say, "Hey, what what's changed since last yeah, yeah, yeah. year?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wouldn't that be interesting? Or yeah, in twenty twenty one, I had this it. wrong. My apologies. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah, exactly. I was this is a big old comma because this, <laughs> this happened next. Uh, it's good. I love it. Uh, grace and peace to you, my friend. Thanks so much for joining us. You too, Ashton. Thank you.